Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, January 8th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. A rocket attack on the green zone in Baghdad leaving no casualties or apparent damage as tensions remain high between the United States and Iran. The governor of Texas accusing Iran of cyber attacks against state databases and websites, suggesting his state is facing 10,000 attacks from Iran per minute. And officials in Puerto Rico continuing to assess the damage after several major earthquakes and hundreds of aftershocks rattle the island's 3 million residents. We'll have a special report from the battered U.S. territory. This and much more today on U News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We start with the ongoing U.S. tensions with Iran on Capitol Hill. Members of Congress are debating whether the president has the power to take the country to war without direct approval. With Meanwhile, lawmakers in the House and Senate reacting to a classified briefing on the assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, one Republican senator, a staunch supporter of the president, calling it the worst briefing he's ever had in nine years in the Senate, all this as the U.S. remains on high alert in the Middle East, where the U.S. Embassy in Iraq was targeted overnight again. Carolina Sarasa brings us the very latest. Another rocket strike towards the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad's International Green Zone. A spokesperson for the coalition saying there were no casualties or damage to facilities there. This as the U.S. military is assessing the impact in Iraq at the two bases Iran attacked overnight on Tuesday. Satellite images show what the Al-Assad base looked like last month. And this is what it looks like today, the damage to structures clearly visible. Over 20 missiles were launched at two sites, some carrying 1,000-pound warheads. Remarkably, no U.S. coalition or Iraqi forces were killed, but the Pentagon says Iran's intent was clear to kill American troops. Iran claiming on state TV it had killed dozens of Americans and the two military bases were crushed. President Trump making it clear that is not the case. We suffered no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe. The president trying to ease tensions, saying he's ready to embrace peace, but still punishing Iran. The United States will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions on the Iranian regime. These powerful sanctions will remain until Iran changes its behavior. And U.S. intelligence agencies warning Iran still remains a threat at home and abroad. Carolina Saraza, U News. And as tensions with Iran remain high, a vote is expected today in the House to define and limit the president's powers to declare war. Democrats and some Republicans saying there was no evidence of imminent threat, but the president saying earlier today that General Soleimani was actually planning on blowing up a U.S. embassy. Here's a look at how we got to this point. 
Again, the president and the House stuck in a power struggle, Democrats claiming their power to declare war after President Donald Trump earlier this week tweeted that if Iran retaliated for the death of General Qasem Soleimani, the U.S. would respond quickly and fully strike back and perhaps in a disproportionate manner, threatening to hit that country's cultural sites, a war crime under international rules of conflict. Democrats today taking action to stop him from acting without their permission, considering a bill to terminate the use of United States armed forces to engage in hostilities in or against Iran, unless Congress declares war or enacts specific statutory authorization for the use of armed forces. For Republicans, a waste of time. I think they're overreacting, quite frankly. Go debate all you want to. I'm going to debate you. <laughs> Trust me, I'm going, to, I'm going to let people know that at this moment in time, to play this game with the War Powers Act, which I think is unconstitutional, is that whether you mean to or not, you're empowering the enemy. The vote on the resolution in happening one day after President Donald Trump signaled a de-escalation of tensions with Iran, saying that Iran appears to be standing down in the wake of its retaliatory attacks against Iraqi bases housing U.S. troops, which came after a U.S. airstrike killed Iranian commander Qasem Soleimani. As we continue to evaluate options in response to Iranian aggression, the United States will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions on the Iranian regime. For the House, one of the biggest concerns right now is determining how the decision to kill Soleimani was made in the first place without briefing them. President Trump recklessly assassinated Qasem Soleimani. He had no evidence of an imminent threat or attack. And we say that coming from a classified briefing where, again, there was no raw evidence presented that there was an imminent threat. Some GOP senators joining Democrats on the assessment. Nobody in their right mind with a straight face with an ounce of honesty can argue that when Congress voted to go after Saddam Hussein in 2002, that that authorized military force against an Iranian general 18 years later. Speaker Pelosi said today that there is no doubt Soleimani was, quote, a terrible person, but the priority is to protect people by preventing war and not constantly creating generations of suffering veterans. And as lawmakers debate the next steps in the crisis with Iran, thousands of U.S. soldiers have either arrived in the Middle East or are on their way. To discuss the military aspect of this situation, let's go to Evelio Otero. He's a retired Air Force colonel who helped establish the first central command in Qatar under President Bush. Thanks for joining us, Colonel. What's your reaction to President Trump's address, backing off from military escalation despite his threats to respond with force if Iran retaliates? and opting instead for sanctions. Were you expecting that decision? Uh, yes, I do expect that uh, type of comments from any president. President Obama very wisely did it. President Bush uh, did it as well. Uh, every president uh, prior to them, uh, uh, first President Bush, President Clinton, yeah. and now President Trump did it. It is imperative that the world rest assured that the U.S. military is not going to be used without any controls and that there is always an effort to control and to de-escalate any efforts that could result in loss of life. Trump says he's trying to, quote, get out of wars, but his strike against Iran's top commander, Qasem Soleimani, as we were mentioning, is having the opposite effect. There are more troops now in the Middle East than before he took office. What do you make of that? 
Well, the, uh, the, the, the forces that were sent to the Middle East were in a defensive posture, which means that they could be recalled tomorrow. They don't have uh, uh, orders to engage unless the president of the United States and Iran continues to do what they're doing. And if they happen to strike and kill American soldiers or American civilians, that's the only that's the that's the order that they have. It hasn't happened. Iran hasn't done that. So that is a plus. It had an effect of, uh, of controlling what the Iranians' uh, intentions are. Right now, we don't know what is going to be their intentions tomorrow. But today, certainly uh, keeping them in check as far as uh, uh, taking American lives. That is a good thing. Okay. And Vice President Pence said this morning he believes those Iranian missiles were intended to kill Americans. Let's take a listen first. The ballistic missiles fired at American bases, the Al-Assad and Erbil, uh, we believe were intended to kill Americans. Uh, we have intelligence to support that that was the intention of the Iranians. But several news outlets are reporting that U.S. officials were tipped off by Iraq's government of Iran's impending attack and knew which bases would be attacked, giving forces on the ground enough time to evacuate. Is the public getting a full picture of these events? Uh, probably not. Uh, a lot of it is operational uh, intelligence uh, that is uh, managed by the uh, by the respective executive agencies and intelligence agencies. Uh, there's always the expectation that uh, any decision that is made is to protect lives. If uh, folks were moved out and no uh, Iraqi uh, soldiers or American soldiers were hit by it, uh, it is it is a good thing. When you shoot missiles, there is always the idea that you're going to hit people. If they didn't hit people, that is a plus. Had it killed American soldiers, then we're talking about another, uh, or Iraqi soldiers, because let's remember, those were not American bases. There were Iraqi bases where U.S. personnel was at. But if it had killed Iraqi soldiers or American soldiers, the reaction may have been uh, different from the United States. Um, um, more controlled, it would have probably taken out all the uh, guided missiles and all the all the rocket uh, uh, locations along the border with Iraq, and that has not happened. That is a good thing. They missed. They didn't kill any any individuals. We have a good opportunity to lay on the on the uh, uh, on the table with the Iranian government. Let's talk about this. Uh, don't go crazy. There is a big behind the scenes. There, I'm sure there is this kind. Of the Iranian government. That, that, well, thank uh, you so uh, much, Colonel Otero. We had a little communication issue, but we appreciate your time and your perspective on these issues. Moving on now to a story out of Texas as the threat of potential military conflict with Iran is on standby for the time being. The state of Texas is facing a different threat. Thousands of cyber attacks per minute, according to Governor Greg Abbott. Pedro Rojas brings us the latest. In the aftermath of the attacks that Iran carry out against military bases in Iraq where thousands of soldiers are stationed, attempted attacks from Iran. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott revealed that officials, entities have received over 10,000 cyber attacks per minute, also coming from Iran. Marcelo Rodriguez, a cyber expert, says that the public is extremely vulnerable 
to those actions. There are a lot of things such as identity theft, hacking bank accounts, and they could even get passwords to access bank accounts and steal all the money, he says. The governor invited the public and state agencies to follow good cyber hygiene practices published on this state official website to prevent becoming a victim. Not Amanda Crawford, the executive director of the Texas Department of Information clear, Resources, spoke about the attacks. We have no way of knowing whether anything is government-based or not or government-sanctioned. It's simply through what we're doing is scanning on our state networks and we look and we can see where attacks are coming from and it's just through geographical locations. At the federal level, the Department of Homeland Security has alerted businesses and companies of possible cyber attacks that could affect the operation of power plants, water treatment plants and gas pipelines. The majority of the infrastructure of the United States is run with computers. Any cyber attack is likely to attempt to hit those areas, Marcelo Rodriguez says. We've already seen chatter on the dark web and an increase in activity of malicious activity emanating from Iran. The governor of Texas also invited all the state agencies to review their cybersecurity systems. The governor of Texas warns that the cyber attacks will continue in the upcoming days, while the high tensions remain between the U.S. and Iran. In McAllen, Texas, Pedro Rojas, U News. Now turning to another major story we're tracking, the destruction and damage left in the wake of major earthquakes in Puerto Rico. Authorities have restored power to half a million homes following a magnitude 6.4 earthquake that rattled the island while President Trump has signed an emergency declaration. Supplies are being rushed in as authorities and residents continue to assess the damage caused by two significant quakes and hundreds of aftershocks. Ricardo Arrambari is in Guanico, Puerto Rico with the latest. Ricardo? Yes, hello from uh, Puerto Rico. We're in a little town called uh, La Luna near uh, Guanica. And this is the situation for a lot of families. They're cooking outside, uh, they're uh, brewing their coffee. Uh, let me show you because this is the, uh, the encampment. The, the tents, the cars, they've taken over this street and it's like um, 20 people living out here uh, because they simply uh, are too fearful of going inside their houses. Some of them have been damaged. So they've uh, established a little community here and now uh, we're going to be talking to some of them. Su nombre, señora? Luneri. Luneri. Luneri, usted tiene aquí hijos, nietos. Sí, tengo tres, dos hijas y un, mi papá que ya tiene problemas de Alzheimer y pues aquí bregando con él. Luneri uh, has uh, several uh, kids and, uh, and grandkids uh, here and she's also dealing with her granddad who has a little bit of Alzheimer. So it's just a difficult situation for all these people. Eh, ¿Cuánto tiempo más creen que se van a tener que quedar aquí? Bastante. Bastante porque donde yo vivo en sí tuvo problemas a veces, hubo daño allá. Right. Uh -huh. I just ask her how long they have to, they think they're going to be here, and it's not an easy answer because even if the tremors stop, where she lives is all cracked. I mean, it's, it's an uninhabitable and they're afraid to go back. So a lot of people, even uh, what I fear is that the authorities are going to leave at some point and these people are going to be left without a home and uh, they have no answers. Porque usted no le ha venido la ayuda, no ha venido fe, no ha nada. Nada. Yeah. So even, uh, even though uh, there was uh, an emergency uh, declaration, nobody has come from FEMA or any other agency to help them. Uh, this illustrates a little bit the situation. Uh, there are more families that came here too. Eh, ustedes eh, también están en una situación similar, me imagino, ¿no? 
No, no pueden regresar a la casa. Yeah, tenemos mucho miedo. Yeah, they're very afraid to go back to their uh, home because uh, a lot of buildings have been damaged. Uh, y, y nada, ¿cuánto tiempo más creen que se van a tener que quedar aquí? El tiempo que sea pertinente. Yeah. So let's say that, uh, ¿cómo se llama usted? Camil. Camil. Camil says that uh, they'll stay here as, for as long as he, uh, as he needs to be uh, because they have nowhere else to go. So I'm just going to walk out a little bit over here just to give you a picture of the entire uh, camp. Uh, as you can see, they've taken over this uh, street. Let me walk out a little bit more. All right, there's no traffic here, so we can safely show you. Uh, there's people from that house, from other houses, and from houses that have been damaged in other areas that they have all come together here to make this uh, makeshift uh, camp. Part of the situation that a lot of families are living here in Puerto Rico. Well, for now, this is it from uh, La Luna. That's how they call this area. Nearby Guanica in Puerto Rico. <clears throat> Back to the studios. Senator Cory Booker says an impeachment trial and other pressing issues in Washington can deal a big blow to his Democratic presidential campaign by keeping him away from Iowa before the February 3rd caucuses. Booker is among five senators seeking the Democratic nomination who face spending the lead up to the first in the nation caucus as jurors in President Donald Trump's trial. Meanwhile, Pete Buttigieg received his first endorsement from a member of the Congressional Black Caucus on Thursday when former, the former Maryland Lieutenant Governor Anthony G. Brown announced his support for the outgoing major of South Bend, Indiana. As Buttigieg has vaulted to the top tier of the Democratic field, he has struggled to attract support from African-American voters and leaders. Brown will serve as a national campaign co-chairman for the candidate. And Facebook has decided not to limit how political ads can be targeted to specific groups of people, as its main digital ad rival Google did in November to fight misinformation. Neither will it ban political ads outright, as Twitter did last October. Instead, the social media giant announcing much more limited transparency features that aim to give users slightly more control over how many political ads they see and promising to make its online library of political ads easier to use. The transparency changes will go into effect over the next three months in the U.S. and other countries where Facebook puts paid-for-by disclaimers on political ads. Mexican immigrants trying to reach the U.S. are trying a new tactic. They're skipping the southern border and instead crossing over the northern border with Canada. As Fabiola Galindo explains, this route to the American dream is safer, less expensive, and has no walls. On snowmobiles, on foot, and behind the wheel. This is how the Border Patrol agents cover the rugged and sometimes forgotten northern border between Canada and the U.S. Here in Maine, we met with Customs and Border Protection agents to better understand why an increasing amount of Mexican nationals are traveling to Canada from Mexico. 
All they need is a $300 airplane ticket after paying a $7 fee to obtain an electronic travel authorization to get into Canada. Later, they cross to the U.S. It complicates our situation more because it's another avenue for uh, folks to exploit. So if they don't have to have a visa to come up here, then they have the possibility of trying to cross a border that's a lot weaker. The amount of people detained here is far lower than in the southern border. But government data shows that in the last five years, the number of people detained in the north has almost doubled. In 2015, more than 2,600 people were captured. In 2018, more than 4,000. Just in Maine, a 460 increase. The northern border is also almost double the size than the southern border. It stretches over 5,000 miles and because of international treaties, no fence or wall can be built here. Chief Owen tells us a wall is not a priority. We need the cameras, we need the sensors, we need the men and women out on patrol doing the job to know what the threat is, to know what's coming at us. A wall serves to extend the amount of time we have to make that detection, to respond to and interdict the traffic. Right now, it takes us too long to respond to traffic if we're even able to detect it in the first place. Being so close to the border sped up our learning curve. 15 miles away from the border, Brian Garrett owns a potato distribution plant. He prefers to only hire immigrants with an HB2 visa, like Jesus Contreras. Since we come here legally, we face no danger, he says. We work and then return to Mexico for two or three months. With a visa or without it, the northern border is opening up as a new route for immigration. In Halton, Maine, Fabiola Galindo, U News. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. Your news covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your news, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. And with the new year, lots of people are looking to create better habits and eat in a more healthy way. But rather than only focusing on cutting foods out, experts say another way is to think about opting for healthier alternatives. So here to talk about the foods to boost your health in 2020 is our very own Chef Yeezus. Thanks for joining us, Chef. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great <laughs> and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So tell us, what are the foods that we should be prioritizing to stay healthy? I imagine the list doesn't include coffee which I love. Not coffee, no sugars, like we mentioned last week, remember? Yes, I remember that. <laughs> so that's right. Um, no refined sugars or processed food either. Uh, the first on that list is the salmon. Um, it proves a range of vitamins, minerals, and omega-3s, as well as protein and vitamin D. So I brought you the salmon. You know, I'm yeah. going to give you a few options here. Okay. Um, you can always have this pre-made. You can make it in the beginning of the week and okay. have a few portions, right? Yes. Um, either with vegetables, yeah. you can break it down and use it, uh, use it like tuna. You know, canned yeah. tuna. Oh, I've never thought of that. You I mean, can like always use, yeah, and make your own little salad, you yeah. know, and, and, and mix with the salmon. Um, the salmon is a great uh, companion for, for when you start your, your diets too. You know, yeah. it has a, a good fats. It has a lot of protein. 
and you can always make it bake and it tastes as good as if you fry it or, or, or make it some other way. And it's delicious. And one thing I wanted to ask you, is there a difference between like farm raised or like wild or? There is. Yeah? yeah, there is. Just like in the meat, um, the, the way you raise the animal is going to give you, you know, the final result. Obviously, uh, when it's in the wild, you know, the better living that they have, it's less stress and, and better taste. Okay, so I'll keep that in mind. And oats is the next thing on your list. Yes, the oats them? are loaded with fiber and have a specific type called beta-glucan, which can help you lower your cholesterol. Okay. So this the the oatmeal here is, is my favorite every morning. I I get a cup of uh, oatmeal. I try not to add too many fruits or you know let's say sweets something that is gonna you know transfer that to you might not have the carb the bad carb but if you're having the sweets then you know you're not you're not doing much. Okay. Um, I rather have it with water. Okay. I I rather have it with water and not milk. And if you use milk, try to use almond milk or that's a better low fat. option. Yes. And can you use? Can you add like chia seeds or flax seeds to it? Is Absolutely. that a good option to mix that fat? Absolutely. Fiber? Yes. Yes. You can mix um, any of those options too, as long as it's not gonna add any, you know, uh, damage to your diet. Okay. <laughs> okay. And now we have the next on your list: lentils, which I happen to love, by the way. Me too. I like lentils. It's one of my favorite uh, grains. Lentils. So these are rich in protein, fiber, and contain iron and uh, folate. Uh, which can help with boost the energy levels. Uh, so this, my mom makes them, you know, very, very good. Can and I've had them since I was little. Um, we even use them in empanadas, you know, oh, as, really? as, as the filling. Uh, so you have the lentils. It's also something that you can make in the beginning of the week and you're going to have for a good four or five days if you keep it refrigerated. Yeah. So you can use it for, you know, inside your, your empanadas like I do for as, as a side of lunch. Yeah. And I also like them not only as a soup, but I also like to put them on top of a salad sometimes. That's just like a great Right, right. It as a, a heartier salad. Right. That's a great option. As a soup, you leave the water, you know, you make it more liquid. You can put some, you know, uh, vegetables inside. And if you want to drain it and use it in a salad, it's also okay, a good option. Okay, good. So meal prep is the key to all of this with healthy options. Thank you yes. so much, Jeff. Thank you, we Lorraine. We love having you on the show. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.